Let me thank CNN for putting Rudy Giuliani on TV. It'd be great if you could keep doing that. <laughs> that was Congressman Ted Lieu. Yes. Nice. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the From middle Pacifica with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California on Red Bluff, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, in Round Mountain on KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. On the central coast of Oregon on KYAQ and Cottage Grove on KSO and in Eugene on KEPW. Out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. Seattle's KODX. Goldendale, Washington's KVGD. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul, on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe for you on some fine internet affiliates, such as the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us once again today. Uh, Desi Doyen, not to uh, whine about the weather, because frankly I've enjoyed this rain and, and we get all, uh, we've got a lot to get to today of national significance. But when it rains... In Southern California, I know they say it never does, but <laughs> but it when does. it does, yeah. it pours. <laughs> and not only does it pour, it can also be deadly. And we've had uh, nearly a week of virtually non-stop storms here in Southern California this week, which uh, can be dangerous for a number of reasons, particularly in areas where we had record wildfires last year that wiped out vegetation in many places. And in fact, uh, just by way of a reminder, it was just one year ago this week. Seems like forever ago, but one year ago when, as you may recall, in the middle of the night in Montecito, California, a quaint and sort of tightly packed village right outside of Santa Barbara, uh, where many wealthy folks like Oprah Winfrey have houses, uh, there was a deadly mud and boulder slide that overtook and just devastated uh, huge parts of that town. It killed at least 21, hospitalized nearly 200, caused nearly $200 million in property damage, tens of millions in uh, emergency response and cleanup. So now after at least four straight days of pounding rain here in in uh, our neck of the woods in Southern California, uh, near the end of this uh, so-called Pineapple Express, an, an atmospheric river of water 
coming across the Pacific from Hawaii. Is that the right way to explain it? Yeah, Des? that's a good way to explain um, it. So how are we holding up here in Southern California, Desi? Uh, we the- are doing fine. The National Weather Service says the uh, extreme rain is tar- starting to taper off, but it has had some impacts. Luckily, no fatalities, no major mudslides or anything like happened a year ago. Uh, they do have mandatory evacuations in effect for places that did have those record burns uh, in Malibu and in Ventura and in North Hollywood and that in Thousand Oaks. Um, but right now, uh, there are some major canyon roads that are closed. Malibu Canyon, Topanga Canyon, people might recognize those from the movies. Due to mudslides and rock slides well, or fear more, of uh, mudslides and rock slides? Due to actual rock slides, but nothing really huge. Nothing that's like, say, destroyed the road or anything like or that. Or in a really populated area Correct. like uh, Montecito. So everybody is, you know, so far so good. However, there was a really surprise flood warning. I thought it was quite extreme. The Ventura River, the National Weather Service reported that the Ventura River rose 10 feet in three hours. And that was, wow. of course, a mandatory evacuation Wait, around that area. 10 feet? 10 feet in three hours? Yes. That's a canyon road. I yeah. mean, it's a canyon that it goes through, so right. it rose very quickly wow. because we were getting uh, one inch of rain an hour, which is the equivalent of, say, getting a foot of snow an hour. Well, stay safe, everyone out there. It looks like the end may be near for those of us in the uh, Southern California listening area. The end of the rain, not the end. (laughs) All right. Anyway, uh, Desi will be coming back with us uh, in a little bit, of course, for the Green News Report a little bit later today. Meanwhile, Michael Cohen, uh, President Donald Trump's former personal lawyer and fixer, confirmed on Thursday that he paid a small tech firm to rig, yes, rig online polls in advance of the 2016 presidential campaign before it even got underway, at least before Donald Trump's participation in it got underway, quote, at the direction of and the sole benefit of Donald Trump, said Cohn. The Wall Street Journal was the first to report the payment and attempted poll manipulation. The Trump organization declined comment to the paper. Cohn responded today in a tweet saying, quote, as for the Wall Street Journal article on poll rigging, what I did was at the direction of and for the sole benefit of real Donald Trump, linking to his uh, Twitter handle. I truly regret my blind loyalty to a man who doesn't deserve it. Now, of course, none of this should be a surprise, really, to anyone, though uh, some of the details here in the Wall Street Journal story are kind of jaw-dropping. I'll get to that in a second. But remember, in in a story that sort of slipped off the radar now, uh, years ago, I guess it is, as you'll recall, Trump's first event, first campaign event, where he came down that escalator at the uh, Trump Tower on June 16, 2015, to infamously announce his run for president and declare that uh, immigrants were rapists and uh, criminals, murderers, though I think he said some were very fine people, he was sure. That crowd was filled with a bunch of extras, literally movie extras, people who were paid to show up at that event and to wear T-shirts for Trump and hold up signs pretending that they supported him. They were all paid. That, That alone should have told us all we needed to know about what this liar, faker, con man was actually willing to do to hoax the American people 
And what has since borne out as the most corrupt presidency uh, for sure in the history of this nation. So that that event back in 2015 and, of course, this story today also serves as a reminder about to what extent Trump and his team were uh, then willing to go to win his race for president the payoffs that he was willing to make, the polls that he was willing to rig and lie about, making questions about what he and his team may or may not have done to rig the actual election, whether it was the voting machines uh, or the so-called collusion with Russia. None of this should actually seem far out or fanciful at all based on all of the information that we actually already know and really did know from from the beginning. It is all all this, you know, these outlandish claims about what may or may not have happened with Russia. It's all precisely in the zone of totally believable and totally plausible. And at this point, almost more of a surprise if uh, some of this stuff did not happen or if his or if his own team was smart enough to keep any of the chicanery from him for, you know, sort of plausible deniability as an actual professional sleazebag politician might have been smart enough to do. Cohen uh, paid this money to rig these online polls to a guy named John Gauger, Gouger, probably Gouger seems uh, the more <laughs> appropriate name here. That's what we'll go with. Gouger, uh, who runs um, Red Finch Solutions, LLC. This was back in early 2015. He paid the money to rig online polls in Trump's favor before the presidential campaign. The newspaper reported, Wall Street Journal, that uh, Cohn gave Gouger a blue Walmart bag containing about $13,000 in cash. You know, uh, Rachel Maddow has that uh, podcast Bagman about yes. uh, payoffs to Spiro Agnew. I kind think of like that. Yeah, I was going to say she needs to do a, a sequel at this point. Uh, Gouger, who supplied uh, some surprisingly specific details to the paper, that they're basing their report on uh, also said that Cohn randomly included a boxing glove that Cohn claimed at the time had been worn by some Brazilian mixed martial arts fighter or something. Nonetheless, in a statement to the journal now, Cohn says he did not pay Gauger, Gauger in cash. He said all monies paid to Mr. Gouger were by check. He didn't offer uh, further details to the paper. So who knows? So who knows which which liar liar are you going to believe? I will leave that to you uh, for now. But with Michael Cohn now sentenced to three years in jail and cooperating with federal investigators, I'd say he has a lot of incentive to come clean however and wherever he can. Gouger, uh, get this, Gouger. The guy was paid off here to rig the online polls. He's also the chief information officer at, wait for it, Liberty University. Oh, you're kidding. No, I'm not. In Virginia. That's where evangelical leader and uh, Trump supporter Jerry Falwell Jr. is the president. It was founded by his father. Gouger said he was uh, supposed to be paid $50,000, $50,000 for the project. But he never received the remaining money after that first 13000 Trump, nonetheless, reimbursed Cohen in early 2017 for $50,000 for the work. So Cohen was ripping off Donald Trump. 
according to the journal, uh, citing a uh, government document that was uh, filed in regard in relation to um, uh, Cohn's uh, sentencing and so forth. Uh, also, another person familiar with the matter confirms that part of the report. Rudy Giuliani, a personal lawyer for Trump, said in a statement to the journal that Cohen is, quote, untrustworthy because he was reimbursed more money than he paid to <laughs> Red Finch. Well, at least we know he, where, where Giuliani draws the line. Right. No, he, he didn't deny that Trump ordered the online polls to be rigged. He just slammed Cohen because he charged Trump more than he actually paid off to the guy who Trump wanted to rig the online polls for him. <laughs> Now, uh, Trevor Potter, who is a uh, campaign finance lawyer and the former chair of the Federal Election Commission, told NBC News that Cohn's payment to the tech firm should have been accounted for and disclosed in campaign finance reports because Trump was, quote, testing the waters for a White House bid at the time. That, in other words, was uh, he was exploring a candidacy, but not yet declared. So when you hear all of these Democrats, and I don't know if we're up to a dozen yet, but we're getting close, saying that they are in for 2020, what they're announcing is that they have formed an exploratory committee. They haven't announced outright that they're running. The rules for reporting change a little bit once you actually declare. But in general, once you announce an exploratory committee, you've got to start keeping track of your records and uh, and and report information to the FEC. A search of FEC records shows no indication of a disclosure of this fifty thousand dollars paid by the Trump by Donald Trump to rig the uh, rig the online polls to make it look like he was more popular than he actually was. So this is not unlike the hush money payouts that Trump made just before the election in 2016 to women with whom he had allegedly had affairs. So we're looking at yet another potential campaign finance felony by the now sitting president of the United States. Potter said once he became a candidate, this should have been reported as an in-kind contribution to the campaign because it is uh, required to report all testing expenditures and uh, contributions on the uh, on its initial FEC report once he does qualify for, as a candidate. Brendan Fisher uh, we've had on the show many times. Uh, he's the director of the Campaign Legal Center's federal reform program. He also said the payments needed to be reported as soon as Trump declared his candidacy in 2015. Cohn, of course, was uh, sentenced in uh, December to three years in prison for what a Manhattan federal court judge called a, quote, veritable smorgasbord of criminal conduct, including uh, making those secret payments both the ones to the women and this particular secret payment to rig the online polls. Also, he was sentenced for lying to Congress about the president's business dealings with Russia and failing to report millions of dollars in income. Cohn is slated now to testify publicly before Congress early next month before he goes to prison. He said he agreed to appear before the House Oversight Committee on February 7, quote, in furtherance of my commitment to cooperate and provide the American people with answers. But today now he is reportedly having second thoughts about that. According to ABC News, 
Uh, they say uh, he worries that Trump is trying to intimidate him with his frequent public attacks against both him and his family, as he often has called Cohen weak and a, a, a rat. And as he did over the weekend on Fox News, Trump suggested that Cohen's father-in-law should be investigated. So Cohen is um, reportedly concerned that Trump's continuing attacks will inspire, quote, an unstable person to target him or his family. So will that result in yet another charge that could be brought brought by uh, federal prosecutors or by Democrats for articles of impeachment, win, witness tampering and attempted intimidation? Yes, that is a federal crime as well. But, you know, no rush, Democrats uh, and media. We wouldn't want to be too aggressive here in um, calling this guy out for what he is. A criminal. Trump talking about him, a, our criminal president. By the way, the um, the journal reports that uh, while this uh, gou gouger guy didn't do any other work beyond that for the Trump campaign, he apparently did do other work for Cohen personally, including the creation of the Women for Cohen Twitter account, which was run by a female friend of Gouger's and uh, reportedly sought to elevate Cohen's profile as a, quote, sex symbol. Oh, <laughs> oh no, 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 According no, no, to no. the journal. Oh, my. Uh, was that a thing what, to promote his image as a... God, that's so lame. Uh, these are the these are the types of folks that we are dealing with here. So, you know, the idea that anything is too outlandish for this crew to have done is itself, I would say, outlandish at this point. And in related news along those lines, the goalposts for what Trump and his campaign did or did not do in order to win the presidency took yet a another huge shift, it seems, on Wednesday night. Thanks to Trump's dumb new person, new personal lawyer uh, who, who really cannot be helping here. Uh, that would be Rudy Giuliani. Last night on CNN, Giuliani claimed that he, uh, quote, never said there was no collusion between Trump's campaign and Russia leading up to the 2016 presidential election. As The Washington Post reports in a uh, remarkable, at times contentious interview with CNN's Chris Cuomo, the president's lawyer was accused of contradicting his own past statements about collusion, which is, yes, a crime called conspiracy. Um, as well, he was uh, contradicting what Trump and his supporters have repeatedly asserted. On, on Twitter, Trump has used the phrase, no collusion, dozens of times. And a number of those instances were direct denials that his campaign, not him, but his campaign, the Trump campaign, was involved with the Russian government in some way. Here's just a bit of that exchange between Giuliani and Cuomo on Wednesday night. Well, you just misstated my position. I never said there was no collusion between the campaign or between people in the campaign. Yes, I have, have no idea. if there, I have not. I said the you... president of the United States. There is not a single bit of evidence the president of the United States committed the only crime you could commit here, conspired with the Russians to hack the DNC. First of all, crime is not, is not the bar of accountability for a president. It's about what you knew, well, he didn't what was right, and either. what was wrong, and what did you deceive about. 
Those are going to be major considerations. The president did not. He said nobody had any contact. Tons of people had contact. Nobody colluded. The guy running his campaign. He didn't say was working on an issue at the same time as the convention. He said he didn't. He didn't say nobody. How would you know that nobody in your campaign... He actually did say that, Rudy. He said well, I nobody, said and then he said as far as I know. he said that, he said it in a... Well, as far as he knows, that's true. <laughs> okay. So, uh, with Giuliani saying the only crime you could commit here was hacking the DNC, we've already covered several crimes that uh, Trump committed uh, and that we know he committed that were uh, federal campaign finance violations that people go to jail for. So uh, hardly the only crime you could commit here was hacking the DNC, as uh, Giuliani said, or uh, conspiring with Russia to hack the DNC. Then Giuliani says uh, that uh, he he didn't say nobody. He didn't say nobody on the campaign colluded with Russia. Well, actually, he did say nobody on the campaign colluded with Russia. He did that over and over again. The Washington Post, in, in, I'll get some of those, but uh, Giuliani's uh, declaration, according to the Post, sent the Internet into a tailspin, with many wondering what could have prompted the former New York mayor to suddenly change course on this point. The heated exchange was uh, that you just heard was was one of many that occurred during a, a roughly 20 minute interview. It began shortly after. I'm Julia. sorry, I should stop in and say yeah. a 20 minute bonkers interview. Yeah, it was but bonkers. Please proceed. Yeah, it began shortly after Giuliani raged about the amount of false reporting on the Russia investigation, and Cuomo responded, Mr. Mayor, false reporting is saying that nobody in the campaign had any contacts with Russia, as Trump has done repeatedly over the past several years. As, as, as has uh, Giuliani. As recently as July, Giuliani was asked by, Fox, by a Fox News contributor, regardless of whether collusion, this is a quote, regardless of whether collusion would be a crime, is it still the position of you and your client that there was no collusion with the Russians whatsoever on behalf of the Trump campaign? Giuliani responded, correct. But on Wednesday, Giuliani appeared to amend that previous comment and his many previous comments on the subject. He protested, uh, saying, I, I said the president of the United States, that he was not connected to any Russian meddling in the 2016 campaign, uh, 2016 election, not, not the campaign. He didn't say nobody colluded. He just said that he didn't, said Giuliani there. Uh, on Thursday, then, in a statement after this mess broke out on Wednesday night, uh, Giuliani was once again forced to put out a statement uh, claiming those comments were misinterpreted. He said, I represent only President Trump, not the Trump campaign. Uh, he says there was no collusion by President Trump in any way, shape or form. Now, if we want to be really literal, Giuliani's right. He wasn't the president at the time, so President Trump couldn't have uh, colluded. Anyway, he went on to say, likewise, I have no knowledge of any collusion by any of the thousands of people who worked on the campaign. The White House would not comment in response to this. Uh, but in December 2017, Trump adamantly told reporters outside the White House that there was, quote, 
absolutely no collusion that has been proven. On Twitter, the president was even more specific in February of 2018, just last year. He said the Trump campaign did nothing wrong, no collusion. He didn't say just him. He said the Trump campaign. In August of 2018, uh, just last summer, Trump tweeted, Russian collusion with the Trump campaign is a total hoax. And just last month, Trump tweeted, quote, you'll remember this, Des, Democrats can't find a smocking gun tying the <laughs> Trump campaign to Russia. No smocking gun, no collusion. During the uh, CNN interview, Giuliani also falsely stated that the news that Trump's former campaign chair, Paul Manafort, had shared polling data with a man believed to have ties to Russian intelligence came from, quote, leaks. That's what Giuliani claimed. It was leaks. He claimed that they were, quote, probably uh, done unethically. In fact, it was not from leaks, ethical or otherwise. Uh, the information about Paul Manafort sharing information uh, with that guy, uh, that Russian, um, was because it was inadvertently made public by Manafort's lawyers uh, themselves in a poorly redacted court filing. Social media, of course, has been exploding with reactions to the interview on uh, CNN, wondering if he just admitted that Trump's campaign had colluded, if not Trump himself. Were the comments meant to foreshadow a big development coming in the Mueller probe? Was this yet another attempt by the Trump administration to tone down their previous denials of collusion and conspiracy? Senator Richard Blumenthal said Rudy is losing it, talking about Giuliani, <laughs> uh, possibly adding to credible proof of crimes by unindicted co-conspirator individual number one, the president of the United States. Congressman Sean Patrick Maloney of New York called it, quote, the sketchiest response you could come up with. Congresswoman Joyce Beatty of Ohio asked why Giuliani is, quote, hedging his bet on Trump Russia. And uh, Congressman Jared Huffman of California said, how long before they break out the collusion is good argument? Well, they haven't been that far from it. Uh, I think Rudy Giuliani said at one point, um, there's nothing wrong with collusion. It's not illegal. There's no crime. And even if he did it, that's OK. It's yes. not a crime. <laughs> it's hard trying to track what Giuliani has said that actually makes any coherent sense. But, yes, he did say that. Uh, the House Intel Committee Chair Adam Schiff uh, mocked what he described as uh, Giuliani's, quote, collusion evolution, referring to the uh, range of defenses that Giuliani has moved through while supposedly helping to defend his client, the president of the United States. Um, uh, so, boy, oh, boy. Gets funner and funner, doesn't it? Uh, listen, I need to take a quick break here and uh, probably a quick shower after <laughs> all of this. Oh, God. Uh, I promise, I think, no more Trump Russia, at least for today. But when we come back, the longest federal government shutdown in history continues and it's taking a serious toll. And if I have time, I hope I do, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is uh, really freaking out Republicans. 
elected Republicans anyway, and it's fantastic. She's also schooling them and the nation on the need to, yes, increase taxes, at least on rich people. All of that and more straight ahead on the broadcast today. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax Welcome back. Maybe she's the tax woman. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We will get to those taxes, I hope, in a second. But on uh, Thursday, Donald Trump retaliated against Democratic U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi for threatening to cancel his planned State of the Union address, announcing that he, in turn, was postponing an overseas trip she had planned with a congressional delegation to visit U.S. troops, which he described in his letter as a, quote, public relations event. Now, I saw that headline popping up earlier today. Uh, I hadn't realized this trip was supposed to happen today, right now. They were on their way, essentially, when uh, he canceled this, this trip to visit troops in Afghanistan, a secret trip. He wrote, I am sorry to inform you that your trip to Brussels, Egypt and Afghanistan has been postponed. He wrote in this letter to uh, Pelosi, we will reschedule this seven day excursion when the shutdown is over. She was scheduled to depart this afternoon with other members of Congress, a whole congressional contingent, military transport. Uh, The New York Times notes is traditionally provided to the House Speaker or congressional delegations for foreign trips. But the trips are kept secret when lawmakers are heading into war zones. But I guess that secret is now out. Remember how frightened Donald Trump was to go uh, to, was it Afghanistan he went to over Christmas? uh, And he finally did. But that was all kept secret. Members of the congressional delegation were seen at the Capitol actually getting off of an Air Force bus today, which was going to take them to uh, Joint Base Andrews to depart for this trip. Congressman Steve Lynch of Massachusetts says we're going to Afghanistan. We should be allowed to do our oversight. A spokesperson for Pelosi, Drew Hamill, responded to the president in a series of tweets referring to the trip as a weekend visit to Afghanistan that did not include a stop in Egypt. He uh, wrote the purpose of the trip was to express appreciation and thanks to our men and women in uniform for their service and dedication. He said that the stop in Brussels was required for pilot rest. 
So this was not a public relations trip to Brussels and Egypt and Afghanistan. It was not a seven-day excursion. It was a trip to Afghanistan. There was no trip to Egypt, and Brussels was a layover so the pilot could uh, rest and they could refuel the plane. Hamill also noted that Trump had traveled himself to Iraq. Oh, it was Iraq uh, during what Hamill called the Trump shutdown. The letter was the first response from the White House uh, after being after they were caught off guard on Wednesday by Pelosi's threat to reschedule the January 29 State of the Union address in light of the partial partial government shutdown, which she claims was for security reasons, security concerns. Meanwhile, that shutdown continues. Gary Cohen, President Trump's former top economic advisor, he said in an interview published on Thursday that the shutdown is, quote, completely wrong and he is confused by the White House strategy in the standoff with Congress according to Washington Post strategy uh, <laughs> you think that that, uh, that assumes <laughs> there's a strategy at work here instead of just you know right. blindly lashing out like yeah. an amoeba I read this I'm like dude you worked at the White House you know they ain't got no strategy for anything at least the president doesn't. He appears to have gone off on his demand for $5.7 billion for this wall completely on his own. Uh, Cohn was quoted as uh, telling the Boston Globe, uh, quote, I don't understand what the outcome is here and I don't understand where we're going with it. In the interview, Cohn criticized the shutdown as, quote, completely wrong, said the furloughing of thousands of federal workers, quote, makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Cohn had stepped down as director of the National Economic Council for the White House uh, back in March after Trump announced he was imposing tariffs on steel and aluminum imports. Meanwhile, this is... Your near daily reminder that Trump's government shut down over the uh, demand for five point seven billion dollars for that southern border wall that he promised Mexico would pay for that it continues now to barrel toward the 30 day mark this uh, this weekend, by far the longest federal government shutdown in our nation's history. And its nationwide effects are becoming more dire for many and not only for the 800,000 federal workers and their families who are furloughed or forced to work without pay. Earlier this week, HuffPost reported that some renters in Arkansas are already facing eviction thanks to the partial government shutdown. A property manager told tenants at uh, a property in uh, at several properties in Alma, Arkansas, and uh, in several other towns. That the shutdown has cut off federal rent assistance uh, program that covers a portion of their rent. The letter said, until the government opens again, you are responsible for all of your rental amount. And she threatened evictions, eviction if tenants don't pay up by the 20th of this month. Tens of thousands of low income households rely on the federal government to help them pay rent. Those folks could lose that assistance if the shutdown persists. Many of the households include seniors and people with disabilities. Diane Yentel, the director of the National Low Income House Coalition, Housing Coalition, uh, called it appalling that a landlord has already threatened to evict tenants because of the shutdown. She said it's incredibly reckless to risk the homes of 
some of our country's poorest seniors, people with disabilities, families with children, as perceived leverage for a fight that has nothing to do with them. Now, the HuffPost reports that the uh, and, and we did as well, I think, last week, the Department of, Hous- of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD, uh, said that they cannot re- uh, renew some contracts with private landlords in its uh, project based rental assistance, pro- assistance program known as S- Section 8 that contracts with uh, building private building owners for low income families. Project-based affordable housing supports some 1.5 million households. An additional 2.2 million households use portable rental vouchers. Those are funded at least until March. So we'll see what happens if this uh, shutdown persists that long, which seems unimaginable. About 1,150 housing contracts under the program were up for renewal, renewal, but expired in HUD system after parts of the government closed in uh, mid-January. I'm sorry, mid-December. Those contracts right now affect roughly 40,000 households, according to the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, and two-thirds of those affected are elderly or people with disabilities who have an average annual income of less than $13,000. So, and even those numbers could go up if the shutdown continues into next month. And uh, the contracts are in pretty much every state in the union. But the low-income renters in Alma, Arkansas, who received this letter, those are apparently subsidized by a completely different program, the U.S. Department of Agriculture uh, runs this uh, for rural areas, not HUD. A spokesman for the USDA said that the agency's rental assistance contracts with multifamily properties are funded through the end of January. That's not far away. But that a small number of owners may have faced a delay for December's payments. Now, we've got some uh, good news in an update, a late update to this story after it was published, the Arkansas property manager who sent that threatening letter to tenants has now reversed her previously stated position that because of the uh, shutdown, her tenants would have to pay the full amount of their rent or face eviction. After uh, the story ran this week, uh, she said an official with the USDA assured her that the rental subsidies that she gets for her low-income tenants will, in fact, still be distributed at least for this month's rent. So there's that. She had been previously unable to reach her usual contacts at the USDA because the shutdown started in December and she wasn't able to reach them, so assumed the program had lapsed. Nonetheless, where they're coming up with the money during this shutdown for some of these programs, uh, but not others, it's not only uh, it's not the only area here where they you know suddenly came up with money for these renters. The administration seems to be magically coming up with funding in other areas as well. The Trump administration has now called back tens of thousands of federal workers who had been furloughed in order to fulfill key government tasks, including dispersing tax refunds, overseeing flight safety, that's good, and inspecting the nation's food and drug supply, oh, that's good as well. 
This uh, as the uh, administration tries to seek, uh, tries to blunt the uh, impact of the longest government shutdown in history. Nearly 50,000 furloughed federal employees are now being brought back to work without pay. Part of a group of uh, the 800,000 federal workers who are uh, not receiving paychecks during the shutdown. But, you know, let's be clear. I don't think the Trump administration is doing this to blunt the impact. I think they're doing it to blunt the PR impact. Well, yeah, the very negative PR of that course. they're getting from yeah. this because the public rightly is blaming the Trump administration for this. I don't uh, think they're doing it because they think, oh, food inspections are good. No, no. They, well, no, they're not. They're doing because of the bad PR. Uh, a federal judge this week uh, rejected. We talked about this uh, suit a little bit uh, by uh, some of these federal workers who are being forced to work without pay. Uh, basically saying that's unconstitutional. Basically saying that's slavery. Well, a federal judge this week rejected a bid by unions who are representing air traffic controllers and other federal workers uh, to force the government to pay them if they are required to work. U.S. District Judge Richard Leon, who's a George W. Bush appointee, by the way, said that he would be, quote, uh, that it would be, quote, profoundly irresponsible for him to issue an order that would result in thousands of federal employees staying home from work and not doing their jobs. At best, he said, it would create chaos and confusion. At worst, it could be catastrophic. I'm not going to put people's lives at risk, he said. But I guess he's fine uh, giving the U.S. governments uh, okay to force these people to work for free. I don't even want to say slave wages. I want to say work for free because that's what right now they are working for. Democrats in the House continue pushing forward with bills to try to reopen the government. They keep passing them day after day. I believe they passed another one today. All of them have been uh, Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has refused all of them to be allowed to come up for a vote in the U.S. Senate, even though they would pass in a heartbeat in that chamber and we know this because they did, in fact, already pass in that chamber last year, unanimously, before Christmas, before Donald Trump shut down the, shut down the government. The uh, Post reports that lawmakers from both parties are reportedly getting quite anxious over all of this uh, for the shutdown to be over. Democrats are calling on Trump to reopen portions of the government that have nothing to do with the wall before they are willing to negotiate on that issue. But Trump has refused. But increasing numbers of Republicans now are calling for Trump to reopen the government, even if just on a short term basis, while negotiations continue on the wall. Shelley Moore Capito, the Republican senator from West Virginia, said, quote, I'm an optimistic person. I'm not seeing the blue sky here yet. There's obviously going to be a pressure point at which this is no longer sustainable. But at this point, it doesn't look like anybody's blinking, she said. White House officials were continuing to be caught unprepared for various problems uh, with how the shutdown is unfolding. Here is just one example. The initial notification that they sent to the 800,000 federal employees, that notification was set to expire on Monday, and all of those employees must be notified again. But agency officials do not know how to notify all of the employees. 
Some of who are working in outposts around the globe, they cannot email those workers. The employees are not even allowed to check their work email during a shutdown. One idea was to send a certified letter to 800,000 employees, but because of the shutdown, the agencies don't have the money to pay the postage for the certified letters. Nonetheless, the IRS plans to end furloughs for more than half of its workers to prepare for tax filing season, meaning that as many as 46,000 IRS employees could be forced to work with no pay while the shutdown continues. So somehow... They're coming up with whatever they need to at least partially handle taxes as filing season with a brand new tax law, by the way, that many of them don't understand at all as that tax season is beginning. But speaking of taxes and the idea that at least some of these nightmares may eventually end, perhaps uh, as even as soon as, well, January 2021, when a new Congress is seated and hopefully a new and not insane president. I want to I want to thank uh, failed governor, Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, for the fact that I'm even talking about this issue today. Taxes at all. Last week, we ran a clip of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on CNN explaining her still informal proposal to raise the top tax bracket to 70 percent on those who make more than 10 million dollars a year. Walker the former governor who was sent packing by voters last November, he took to Twitter this week to brag about lying to fifth graders who he said he was explaining taxes to. He lied to them about what a 70 percent marginal tax bracket actually means, either because he's really stupid and doesn't know better or because he's a really huge liar. Or both. I don't know. He tweeted, uh, he explained this, uh, he, he said that he was explaining to children at some school. Uh, he said, quote, imagine if you did chores for your grandma and she gave you $10. When you got home, your parents took $7 from you. He wrote, the student said, quote, that's not fair. Adding, even fifth graders get it. Well, yeah, that wouldn't be fair if you made $10 and your uh, parents took away $7 from you for, for it. But that's not what anybody is talking about, you liar, Scott Walker. He got slammed justifiably for essentially lying to fifth graders because, you know, he's a pathetic loser. Uh, I tweeted uh, to him. I said this was, again, about. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's uh, proposal explaining AOC's tax proposal to a dishonest or just dumb or out of work and out of work governor. I wrote, imagine if you did chores for your grandmother and she gave you ten million and one dollars. When you got home, your parents let you keep all but 70 cents of that ten million and one dollar. I added, you know what's not fair? Lying to fifth graders. Because that's how this would work. It is after the initial $10 million. Yeah, it's If you make $10 million a year, you get to keep that money, or at least you pay a lower rate until whatever it is above $10 million. Right. The 70% tax rate that was floated by Ocasio-Cortez, that 70% tax rate only applies to the 10 millionth dollar going beyond and going up. 10 millionth and one-th yeah. uh, dollar, I guess. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez responded as well. She said, explaining marginal taxes to a far-right governor. Imagine if you did chores for abuela, that's Spanish for grandma, 
and she gave you $10. When you got home, you got to keep it because it's only $10. <laughs> then we taxed the billionaire in town because he's making tons of money underpaying the townspeople. She's good. She is. Uh, she's very good. Uh, but listen, since Scott Walker apparently wants us to talk about uh, her proposal, I'm happy to do it. Thank you, Governor Walker. Uh, let me note that um, this week a new poll came out from The Hill uh, and Harris X was conducted uh, just last week. And after uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez called for a uh, raise to the highest tax rate to 70 percent, 59 percent of Americans support the concept. This uh, it's also backed by double digit margins across almost every demographic in every part of the country. Yes, even in so-called red states, which is probably why Republicans are freaking out about it and lying to fifth graders about it. Uh, this was popular across broad sections, cross sections of Americans, every demographic. As I said, women support the idea 62 to 38 Men back it, 55 to 45. Southerners back it, 57 to 43. Again, double digits, even in the South. Rural voters back it, 56, 44. That's a 12-point margin. I think you're saying that it's widely popular. It is. The only person, oh, the only group it is not wildly popular with is Republicans. And even there, it polls pretty well. 45% of voters say they favor it, 55 are against it. But independent voters, they back it 60 40 uh, in favor of this. This is a wildly popular idea. Christopher Ingram at Washington Post notes that a 70 percent tax rate on income above 10 million is more popular than Obamacare, eliminating the estate tax, more popular than Trump's wall, more popular than Trump himself, more popular than Brett Kavanaugh, more popular than Trump's tax cuts. Citing this poll, uh, Ocasio-Cortez linked to it and she said, oh, what's that? The majority of Americans respect when you break down reasonable policy proposals designed to combat runaway income inequality and help fund priorities they value most. She added, we can win public sentiment, stand our ground and not be scared by GOP information. Might say GOP misinformation, but a good point, a good point for the media, a good point for Democrats in her own party to start paying attention to. All right. Never any misinformation in Desi Doyen's Green News Report. Well, usually anyway, that's (laughs) coming up next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bratcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Desi Doyen, of course, I'm running late. Yes. Uh, Blame Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Just her name alone makes us run late. 
So we better get to it. Our latest Green News report. The president has said that climate change is a hoax. Do you agree with him? Senate Democrats grill Trump EPA chief nominee in confirmation hearing. Exactly how hot are we talking? Well, I mean really hot. Historic heat wave grips Australia. EPA criminal actions against polluters hits 30-year low. Plus... All of this is, is for real. But nobody has done enough planning. The business world is waking up to climate change impacts. All of those wake-up calls and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. It's not binary. It's not effed or not effed. It's a matter of how effed. (laughs) Dr. Michael E. Mann, climate scientist, working blue. The heat must be getting to them. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, another January, another code red heat emergency down in Australia? Yes, literally. Australia's National Weather Service this week issued its highest level alert to warn public welfare agencies to act quickly to protect vulnerable populations during what is an extreme historic heat wave that's blasting most of the country over the past two weeks. It's broken all-time high temperature records for both day and overnight, with temperatures in some areas topping 120 degrees Fahrenheit. And have the record bushfires started yet? Oh, yes, they have. Mm. Meanwhile, down at the South Pole, Antarctica's ice sheets are melting faster than previously thought and are accelerating sea level rise. Scientists publishing in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences found that warming ocean waters drove a 600% increase in annual ice loss from the East Antarctica ice sheet since 1979. The scientists called acceleration of the ice melt a clear indication of man-made climate change. Yeah. The uh, right-wingers on Fox News, the climate deniers, have all been telling me that, sure, we may be losing ice in the Arctic, but the Antarctic is actually gaining ice. Not so? Not so much. Imagine that. Surprise! The Environmental Protection Agency's mission of enforcement actions against polluters has fallen to a 30-year low under the Trump administration. Shocking. That's according to a new report released this week by watchdog group PEER, Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility. Based on Justice Department data, the number of pollution cases that the EPA referred for criminal prosecution hasn't been this low since the Reagan administration. PEER's executive director told the Associated Press, Quote, we're reaching levels where the enforcement program is lacking a pulse. Great. No more government tyranny. Meanwhile, the EPA's failure to enforce pollution laws was a hot topic for Democrats in the Senate confirmation hearing this week for former coal lobbyist Andrew Wheeler, who took over as acting chief of the EPA after Scott Pruitt resigned amid a flood of scandals. Senate Republicans praised Wheeler, but Democrats grilled him on the Trump EPA's rollbacks of pollution standards and U.S. climate policy. Wheeler testified he doesn't think man-made climate change is a hoax, but it's not a top concern. Here's his exchange with Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. The president has said that climate change is a hoax. Do you agree with him? I, I have not used the hoax word myself. I see. Scientific community has said that climate change is one of the great crises facing our planet. There will be irreparable damage in the United States and in virtually every country on Earth. Do you agree with the scientific community? 
I would not call it the greatest crisis, no, sir. I, I, I consider it a, a huge issue that has to be addressed globally. Wheeler's confirmation is all but assured in the Republican-controlled Senate. So is this guy ultimately any better than Scott Pruitt, or is he just as bad or potentially even worse? Potentially even worse. As a longtime lobbyist, he knows how to navigate the system. And yet still as much of a denier. Finally, some good-ish news. The business world is waking up to the dangers posed by man-made climate change and extreme weather. In a survey by the annual World Economic Forum in Davos this week, CEOs and investors ranked the effects of climate change as the top three risks they're most likely to face in 2019, from extreme weather, damaged infrastructure, and migration caused by disasters. On a recent broadcast, L.A. Times business columnist Michael Hiltzik referenced the pending bankruptcy of PG&E, California's largest electric utility after catastrophic wildfires, as a warning to the business community. These are risks that we have to have a, a broader discussion about how to manage them, and there are risks and there are opportunities in climate change uh, together. So all of this is, is for real, but nobody has done enough planning uh, up, up to this point. Nobody has, and yet here we sit. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, or Google Play. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Oh, we are so not ready for what is coming. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, and my thanks to everyone for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. You can also drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, where I hope you will find, follow, and share everything we do here, You'll find me at the Brad Blog. It's always great to hear from you all there. All right, that's it. Oh, my thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate. You and only you are to be thanked for keeping us on your public airwaves by stopping at bradblog.com slash donate. We could use your support. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.